T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I'm going to ask a question, and I think I know the answer, Sue, but I'll ask it anyway. All right. Did you by any chance watch Saturday Night Live over the weekend? I did not. Yeah, so I don't watch it because it's not funny, but I was guided into a couple of things, uh, one by my wife and then um, my friend Rick in Vegas, too, that and one, one we were going to share a little bit later this hour because it really goes into the topic that we're going to discuss with Paul Hall and Dan Buff about the AMC ticket pricing because they, ah. they did this Oscar game show bit the other night. It was the dude that is in The Last of Us on HBO, and he's uh, he plays the Mandalorian. He's the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian. Um, but it was one, what I watched, and Abby would be a fan too because Coldplay was the musical guest and I didn't watch their performances, was was pretty funny and, and really on point more than anything else because it was observational comedy and they weren't going after politicians. But I want to play you some of that because they made a brilliant point about movies and how, remember when we used to, you'd see five Oscar nominees, right? Yep. And you'd know all those movies. Yes. And you'd say, I remember who starred in those movies. And I've seen those movies, right? You may not like them all, but I remember. Well, we've gotten way far away from that. And the way that they sort of exposed that on SNL was really, really funny. So we'll get into that. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Oh, that's great, I, though. I will save. So I have the bit pulled, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. And I have Buff and Paul Hall coming up. A couple of things we want to talk about here with our next guest, former St. Louis County Councilman Tim Fitch is back with us, former chief of police as well. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. You're being dragged back into public service because did I see correctly that you're on a panel that's going to determine some compensation issues for the for the current council? You did see. Uh, I've got to learn to say no. Um, one of my biggest faults. Uh, but yes, I will. Because and the reason I agreed to do it is because there's a very short window of time that this commission will operate. So it's it's uh, it literally has to disband by May 27th. So what's what's the task at hand? So long story short is some council members felt the pay should be raised. It's been twenty thousand uh, dollars, I believe, since two thousand and one is when the council last raised the pay from eleven thousand dollars. So it's been set there for a long time. Um, Councilman Trachis wanted it to be raised to sixty thousand dollars. Was his first proposal. Councilman Harder had an alternate proposal for forty thousand. So. At the end of the day, Councilman Trakas wrote this uh, charter amendment, and, and we submitted it to the voters. 
And basically what it does is you're familiar with the term political cover. Um, basically yes. what it does yes, is it gives, the council, it gives the council cover by asking this uh, civilian commission to make a recommendation on whether or not their pay should be uh, raised. That way it doesn't look like the council members are doing it for themselves. That's the long story short of it. So that's where it stands. Um, I've been appointed to the, to the commissioners, five members, and we will start having our meetings. Um, we started, the first one's going to be on February 27th, so at the end of the month. Um, then it's over literally 90 days later. Who else is going to be on? Who, who, who's joining you on that? So the charter amendment said there's two appointed by the Republican Central Committee of St. Louis County, and I'm one of those. The other is Renee Artman, the chair of the Republican Central Committee. And the other, the two Democrats, I couldn't tell you their names. I've never heard of them before that were submitted by the Democrat, uh, Democratic uh, Central Committee of St. Louis County. And then there's a fifth member that's selected randomly. So tonight there will be a, a name drawn out of a hat. Um, and I don't know if that's literally how they'll do it, but it's got to be randomly. So all seven council members got to submit a name to be the fifth person on the panel. And that name will be drawn tonight uh, at some point. Okay. And Maybe it'll that be me. Will be announced. Could be me. You never know, right? Did, There's a chance. Did you ask anybody? But, uh, you know, Harder could have called. Maybe Harder called an audible or something, put my name in there. You just never know. Or Hancock Hancock could have. That's right. That's right. Maybe Lisa Clancy would use your name, put (laughs) your name in. (laughs) You know, she's done it so many other times before, Chief. I can't imagine that she wouldn't. All right. Well, so that's interesting. And I think the bottom line here is that you could probably make a case for an increase here, over $20,000, right? I, I, I agree with that. However... Retirees right now are asking for an increase in their COLA, their cost of living. They haven't had one um, since 2011, and they're asking, and some council members are like, we don't have the money for that. Well, if we don't have the money for that, yeah, do we also say we don't have the money for, for, yeah. for an increase for the council? So that's got to be a discussion we're going to have to have. Well, see, that's that's the great point, because we're in a period right now, as you're exiting the council no longer on, that the, the, these financial issues are going to become um, burdensome is a word that comes to mind. Right. So how can you uh, it's just not it's 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 not going to look good if you give yourself. I know you're, you're not giving yourself a raise, but if somehow this gets passed and they get a raise, the optics will not be good. Well, and keep in mind, too, they don't have to agree with this commission. They could wait for 45 days after the recommendation by the commission is made and do their own thing. So let's say the commission says, no, we don't recommend a raise. 45 days later, a council member, now keep in mind, you can't raise your own pay while in office. Right. So this wouldn't apply to anyone unless they were reelected or the newly elected people from the even-numbered districts, and it wouldn't take effect until January of 2025. So you're talking about Dunaway's seat, and um, and Shalanda Webbs and Ernie Trakis is, would be the first to get the raise if a raise is approved. Let, let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, you're no longer on the council, as we pointed out. Tonight they have a meeting. By the way, are they meeting in person or are they still doing it remotely? Did they finally get together? No, in it's been in person for quite a while. Okay, now. I'm thinking of the city because the city finally got back. In. Yeah, yeah. Like Lisa Clancy hasn't made the last two meetings, but she's opted in from wherever she's remoting in from. So you can't can opt in. But the meetings are in person. All right. So I asked you about this via text last week because Shannon Robinson, who's been a great resource for the show, she's very active on social media. She's not happy because they could change the rules tonight for public speakers after hearing. This is how the local paper 
positions it after years of listening to topics largely unrelated to county business. Council Chair Shalanda Webb, Democrat from North St. Louis County, proposed limiting speakers at weekly council meetings to topics that are either on the council's agenda or are related to issues that the council has taken up or may take up in the future. Um, People like Shannon think that that's ridiculous because there are First Amendment issues at play here, and these are some of the only opportunities that one might have to bring issues before the council. What say ye, former council member? Well, I would not vote in favor of that. I would want to keep it the same, have an open. It's only an hour. The public's allowed to comment for an hour. Really, is it that difficult to have an hour set aside for someone to come in and air their grievances? Seems like I read that somewhere before. Um, so I have no problem with that, um, keeping it the way it is. I would not vote in favor of changing it to say, no, sorry, you're off topic. Uh, almost anything on that agenda. Like, there are big complaints were the, some of the comments during the whole pandemic. A lot of the council members, or several of them, didn't want to hear it. They wouldn't, didn't want to hear that people thought there should be choice and things like that. So I think that's what kind of started this conversation. But to her credit, Rita Days, the, the then chair, and for the last two years, even though some of it was painful to listen to, and I absolutely didn't agree with a lot of the comments for, coming from uh, council, uh, from public speakers, guess what? That's a First Amendment issue. And yes, you know what? I was elected to sit there and take it and listen to it. Um, so I just think it's a bad move. And I think it's just a matter of time until somebody sues. If people are then cut off or if they won't stop talking, what happens then? Do the police then drag them out kicking and screaming? Guess who then is going to be the bad guy? Well, so the way the Post refers to this, they say the public comment period gained notoriety during the pandemic for speakers who talked about wide-ranging issues. You just referred to that, but I'm going to make a point here. From nuclear war to pornography to vaccine conspiracies. I actually wonder if you go back and you listen to some of the things that were said on the vaccine and on COVID in particular that were deemed verboten and crazy talk, that now some of that wouldn't make a little sense, right? Exactly. But there were still some some ones I scratched my head on. I thought, really? Microchips in the vaccine? You know, so, I mean, there was those kind of comments <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that was like, OK, this is a little. But it was a free free speech, First Amendment right to say it, even though I didn't necessarily agree with it. Uh, we did have some pretty off the wall things. And we actually had a guy in a few weeks ago before I came off the council that made a comment. And he's some old guy from North County who shows up a lot about. Uh, talking about picking cotton and and looked towards the African-American members of the council. I think it was highly inappropriate for him to say that. But again, that's protected speech. Let me uh, let me get into a law enforcement area here. Former St. Louis County Councilman, but also former St. Louis County Police Chief Tim Fitch is here. You were here during the roundtable on the day that the Tyree Nichols video was released right after that show that evening at six o'clock. And I never really spoke with you in the aftermath of that. And we talked a lot, you know, even talked about supervision and the lack of supervision that Friday afternoon. Let me just start with any different reactions than you may have shared previously to the video that you saw and some of the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks in Memphis. Well, uh, one of the things I, I'm waiting to see how this develops is um, I'm curious to know about the background of the officers, uh, how much of a background check was done. We all know in law enforcement in the last several years, especially really since Ferguson, is there's not been a lot of applicants for police jobs. And I know for a fact some agencies have lowered their hiring standards. It would be interesting to see what these individual officers, what the hiring standards were when they were hired. I would not be surprised if Memphis didn't lower their standards and then we find out that, yes, this person probably shouldn't have been hired or that person wouldn't have been hired in good times. However, 
The flip side of that is the public, they need law enforcement. And these cities are having a hard time attracting people that, you know, 10 years ago, you know, there was an abundance of applications. And when I got hired in 1983 at the county police department, we had 3,000 applicants for 30 people. It's nothing anywhere close to that now. So that bothers me in law enforcement, but my feeling as the chief was, I will take quality over quantity any day. So some departments have decided to do that. So I, you know, I got, I, I've referred to this a couple of times. I want your reaction. This is from a, um, it's actually from a county cop who sent this to me, but said he got this from a friend in the city. Said, and I don't know if the numbers are accurate, but I just want your response. City is on track. I think they're relatively accurate. City is on track to lose 192 police this year. A guy just resigned with 15 years on to go to work at the QT as a security guard making 73K. Is that possible? Making yes, that kind of it's money? Absolutely yes, it is. Um, if you just look across the river, I saw an ad the other day for Swansea Police Department, a very small city. Near Belleville, starting salary seventy three thousand and some change. Uh, that's not uncommon in in a lot of these cities around the U.S. now, where you look at these salaries and you go, "Wow, I wasn't making seventy three thousand until I was a police major," and 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 really what they've had to do is raise the pay to get quality people. I think the quality people are still out there, and thankfully, the, uh, many of them are still applying even at the lower salaries. But guess what? You want to get good quality applicants, you're going to have to raise their pay and benefits. And the city of St. Louis hasn't seemed like they wanted to do that. Uh, you know, we just raised the counties. And what did the mayor say of the city? I'm going to talk to the board of police commissioners in the county and tell them to quit hiring our people. Yeah, that sounds like the right way to do it. I, I just don't see how we talked about this a little bit earlier with another guest, but I just don't see how we kind of turn this in another direction, especially with the lack of leadership on the issue, because you're not just going to have, you know, people dropping from the sky saying, I want to be a cop. I can't wait to do that job, right? Especially for the pay. So this is not going to get, I mean, I wish I could say it's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't see a scenario where it actually gets better. I hate to be that negative on it, but I'll ask you, you're the law enforcement. How will this ever get better? You know what? I I went through this. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I almost had an outburst there. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, I went through this with Rodney King. I was working the street in St. Louis County when Rodney King happened, and the pendulum will swing back. It's just a matter of time. It will swing back. It always has. I have faith in it swinging back. I have faith that good people will still apply to be in police departments. However, those numbers are going to be pretty thin, and if I was a police chief today, I would tell any other police chief, you better get used to having low staffing. You better figure out how to make it work because you're not going to get back to those numbers that you had literally just a few years yeah, ago. Interesting. And in a place like the city of St. Louis, it's going to be worse. So they're going to have to increase their compensation. You know what I think would help if, if some of the families of these victims would come out and say, we need more police or, or, or people in these uh, under-policed areas, which yes. of course is the entire city. Yes, but somewhere there are an excessive amount of victims come out and say, come on, we need protesting for help to have safe neighborhoods. I think that would help. But they, it, it's just not happening. Yeah, it's, it's not happening in some of our areas. However, I will tell you that the good people in some of the roughest neighborhoods want more police. Yes. They want those officers there. And unfortunately, they can't be very vocal about it because they're afraid of being criticized. Or they're they're afraid mm-hmm. of, to be seen as supporting the police. But they're there. Take my word for it. They're there. Uh, I appreciate it, Chief. Thanks for weighing in on a variety of issues this evening. 
All righty. Thanks again. That's Tim Fitch, former county councilman, former chief of police. Uh, let me let me get back into chat GPT because I, I mentioned this earlier, Sue, and we, we talked about it with my friend Vance Crow last night. This is this um, bot where you could essentially ask it to do almost anything and it will write you know, a paper. It's, it'll write a woke paper, we've determined, because it's only getting the information that is being fed into it. And if you want to write about something that might uh, say nice things about white people, well, you will not be allowed to do that with chat GPT. But that's sort of a separate issue that certainly is somewhat troubling. But I want to focus on how education works its way through this high school um higher education, right? So one of the questions that comes to mind, and we, we talked about this yesterday, is what do you do? Like, if if I'm in college and I'm tasked to write a paper on something, and I don't really want to write a paper. I'm in my Shakespeare class at Mizzou in 1985. It's a beautiful summer day or spring day. I don't want to go to class, which I basically did, and I still got an A in that class. I have to write a paper, right? Well, I'll just let the bot write the paper. How are the professors going to tell? Right. We found out yesterday it's going to be hard for them to tell, right? Uh, there, You're right. There's a kid, a 22-year-old computer science kid at a student at Princeton who has created an app that detects essays written by AI-powered language models, uh, but we don't know whether that's, you know, released yet or what. Right. So you're going to have to navigate your way around some of these things, but I'm not saying I agree with what this guy, Lawrence Shapiro, wrote or not. I'm going to just tell you what he said because this was rather unique and maybe not the response that I was expecting. So Lawrence Shapiro is a professor of philosophy at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin, the People's Republic of Madison. Okay, it's a lovely city. It's just basically the closest you'll get to socialism and communism in this in this country. Um, Good smallmouth fishing there, though. I will tell you that, Sue, Hmm. on those lakes there. Chat GPT has many of my university. This is what he wrote in The Washington Post has many of my university colleagues shaking in their birth. Stocks. <laughs> I like that. This artificial intelligence tool excels at producing grammatical and even insightful essays, just what we were hoping to see from our undergraduates, right? How good is it, really? A friend asked ChatGPT to write an essay about multiple realization. This is an important topic in the course I teach on the philosophy of mind, having to do with the possibility that minds might be constructed in ways other than our own brains. The essay ran shorter than the assigned word count, but I would have given it an A. Apparently, chat GPT is good enough to create an A-level paper on a topic that's hardly mainstream, right? Universities are treating the threat as more dire than an epidemic or even a budget reduction. The most obvious response, and one that I suspect many professors will pursue, involves replacing the standard five-page paper assignment with an in-class exam. Mm. Others expect to continue with the papers, but have suggested that the assigned topics should be revised to focus on lesser-known works or ideas about which a chatbot might not know too much, okay? Well, how is that going to, how do you know? The next line is, good luck with that. If ChatGPT can pen a solid essay on multiple realization, an issue on which I happen to be a world authority in good part thanks to the lack of company, I doubt it would have difficulty constructing essays about lesser-known Shakespearean sonnets or unremarkable soldiers who fought for the Union Army. Besides, if we're going to demand deep thought from our students, shouldn't it be about more important stuff? So here's what he says. He says, here's what I plan to do. Pretty much nothing. Why? 
Let me first say that as much as I value the substance of what I teach, realistically, my students will not spend more than a semester thinking about it. It's unlikely that Goldman Sachs or Leakey's Plumbing or wherever my student will end up will expect their employees to have a solid background in philosophy of mind. Far more likely is that the employees will be required to write a letter or an analysis or a white paper. And to do this, they'll need to know how to write effectively in the first place. This is the skill that I most hope to cultivate in my students. And I spend a lot of time reading their essays and providing them with comments that really do lead to improvements on subsequent assignments. In-class exams, the chat GPT-induced alternative are worthless when it comes to learning how to write because no professor expects to see polished prose in well, such time-limited so context. So is an AI-generated uh, paper. That makes no sense. So he goes on. He says, I should emphasize just how definitely my students need formal instruction in writing. By the way, I hear this all oh, the time, how bad sure. writing has become. My wife confirms that, I noticeably, that I'm noticeably crankier than the first uh, time I started teaching 30 years ago. Everything today seems worse than it was back then. Traffic, TV news, macaroni and cheese. But I don't believe that the deterioration in writing quality that I see is a consequence of age-tinted glasses. I read too many papers from upperclassmen from students who have taken other writing intensive courses in which only one sentence out of five is not grammatically or stylistically defective. I would be failing the students if I let chat GPT discourage me from teaching them what might be the most essential competence they can gain from me. But then he goes into the cheaters. He goes, what about the cheaters? The students who let the chatbot do their writing for them. I say, who cares? In my normal, again, I'm not saying I agree with him, but I'm just telling you what he said. In my normal class of about 28 students, I encounter one every few semesters whom I suspect of plagiarism. Let's now say that the temptation to use chatbots for nefarious ends increases the number of cheaters. Of course. 20% probably okay. is what he says. It makes no sense to me that I should deprive 22 students who can richly benefit from having to write papers only to prevent the other six from cheating, some of whom might have cheated even without the help of a chatbot, which is relatively a good point. Here is the idea for extracting something positive from the inevitable um, that chatbots will achieve in the coming years. My students and I spend some time critically appraising a chatbot-generated essay, revealing its shortcomings and deconstructing its strengths. This exercise would bring a couple of rewards. First, he says, analytical writing, like any skill, benefits from seeing examples of what works and what does not. While students might reasonably object to having their own essays made target of public inspection, chatbots couldn't possibly care. Second, given that chatbots are not going to fade away, my students might as well learn how to refine their products for whatever uses the future holds. Now, I don't know if this is the right take, but here's what came to mind for me. And I'm not saying it's the wrong take because I think you might actually be onto something. And I've said this for many years, uh, and, and I don't know how you get around this in higher education. You may have had a different experience. And I referred to that Shakespeare class I took at Mizzou. It was probably when I was a junior, and it was a beautiful spring in Columbia, Missouri. And I skipped that class more than any other class mm-hmm. I remember. I got an A. You know why I got an A in that class? Mm-mm. Because I knew how to BS. I loved, love, love essay tests. You know, some people hate that. So They're it was good. a test rather than a paper that got you the A? It wasn't. No, it was tests or papers either. I had to write papers. My point is that, and this is just me, I'm, I'm just saying that, I don't know if you want to say I was gifted this way, I was gifted with BS mm-hmm. because I could put, and this was in the typewriter, I could put a piece of paper, 
with the carbon stuff you always and had to use. at the typewriter. I had the... I'd sit there and I'd just type me stuff too. out from the top of my head. Now, did that give me any better grasp of the material? No, it did not. It just meant that I could BS better than a lot but, of people. But uh, it also showed that you were following the form that that teacher liked. Whatever kind of writing they liked, did they like it all up front? Here's a synopsis, and then we're going to break it down in the following paragraphs. You know right. what I'm talking but about. But I also knew how to write. And the reason I knew how to write is because I started writing when I was in high school doing radio and doing journalism. So I knew how to construct sentences and put words down onto paper. Again, Sue, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that this is the approach moving forward. I don't know what the approach is. But I do think that, uh, I don't know how you fix writing skills. I do think that the grasp of a particular topic goes well beyond whether or not you can write a BS paper of five pages that you submit to a professor yeah, and get a it, B plus it, on. As I understand it, I don't need to know the ins and outs. I can just say generate a paper on the the you know blah blah this topic yeah. Shakespeare's uh, much ado about nothing, highlighting this aspect of it, and it'll spit one out. Which does seem to lead us to this um, this answer about let's just do a, a test in the class, right? You can have an essay test, but you still class, have yeah. not a paper, in other words, where right. you can cheat or you can act, because but people are cheating anyway, but I, I understand that this is going to be a challenge. I don't know what to do. I, I would consider this more of an issue perhaps in high school with kids that yeah. are just trying to get by, they're just trying to get out of high school. In college, where you have to apply yourself, and you, you should I would hope have somewhat of a grasp on the knowledge. I've said this before, too. I remember going in my econ class, econ 51, that you all had to take at Mizzou, at least I did when I was in journalism school, Walter Johnson, who was a, a legend. Man, I got a C in that class. It was a five-hour C, which sucked. Oh, that's brutal. Right? But I will argue to this day that I understood a lot more about what he was teaching. I just couldn't test well or I didn't get a yeah, good grade. But I, I, I came too. away with more information about economics and a grasp of the topic a lot better than the grade would have indicated. Fair enough. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. We'll see where this takes us. But this chat GPT thing is a little frightening. I just wish you could do a talk show, really, uh, somehow. <laughs> Maybe it can. Yeah. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm going to do something here in this segment that I can't remember the last time I actually heaped praise on anything that SNL did because it's become such a terrible show. And I, I record it. It's in my DVR every week. I just do not watch it unless there's a musical guest I get that it. I'm interested in. But, but my wife last night showed me a bit from this past weekend that was pretty funny uh, with Pedro Pascal, who plays um, The Mandalorian. He's also in this HBO show, The Last of Us. Uh, and I, they did a, a parody bit last night about The Last of Us, which is a zombie show based on a um, video game. And they made fun of Mario Kart. 
Uh, and they sort of did, which is ironic because I think there is like a Mario Brothers movie that's coming out as well. Oh, but you know how they delight. do the proposed, or I'm sorry, not the proposed, but they do these parody spots yeah. uh, that are produced. Yeah. Those are relatively clever. You go back to when Andy Samberg was on the show. Uh, he did great work w- with those. Yeah. So anyway, that was relatively clever. But then I remembered that... Um, this was shared over the weekend, and I never watched the bit. And this is perfect for what we're doing this evening in the next segment with uh, Dan Buff and Paul Hall. So i got to kind of whiz through this a little bit because yesterday AMC Theater said, we're going to charge you more if you want a seat in the middle of the theater. If you want the cheap seats in front, we'll discount those, but you have to be a member of our club. So in order to get crappy seats, you have to join our club. This all ties in with what they did on Saturday Night Live with Pedro Pascal in a bit, and they got away from politics completely. This is why I like this so much. It was called The Big Hollywood Quiz, all right? And I don't even know who the cast members are. There was this Asian dude who was relatively friendly, and he welcomed the uh, the contestants. So Pedro Pascal and a couple of the other cast members that nobody knows the name of. Welcome to the show that's all about entertainment. Let's meet our contestants. First, Robert is a professor of film studies at Tisch School of the Arts. Hi, Jack. Next, Jacqueline is an entertainment writer for USA Today. Great to be here. Finally, Mary hosts her own show on the history of Hollywood. What kind of show is it, Mary? Uh, It's a podcast. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Well, our categories are the movies, the shows, the stars, and hooray! So I would have been a great contestant for this as someone who, you know, I started reviewing movies in 1988. I did it on television and on the radio for three decades. The pandemic sort of killed my passion for it. But I I would follow movies. I was passionate about movies. I told you about that, right? I wanted people to see good movies. I wanted to keep them away from the majority of the movies, which were bad. So I would have been perfect for this because listen to the questions, Sue. We got to start with movies. We got to. This question is from the 1950s. In All About Eve, she famously said, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Robert, you buzzed in first. The one and only Betty Davis. Yes, that's $500. You're on the board. Moving over to the shows. That was a pretty easy one, right? You should know. Most people would know that, yeah. This one is from the 80s. In 1983, this TV show, set during the Korean War, had a finale watched by over 100 million viewers. You know that one, right? MASH. Yeah. Uh, MASH, and it was watched by 106 million. That's it. $500 for you. Great job. Let's get to the 2020s, Sue. Why don't don't we spin the wheel a little differently here? Now let's go over to the 2020s. This breakout hit is the current number one show on Netflix. It's Ginny and... (laughs) No one? It's the most watched show on the most watched streaming service in the world. No? Ginny and... Juice? <laughs> okay, that's fine. Ginny and funny. Georgia. Ginny and Georgia, season two. Is that from Europe? No, it's totally America. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Obviously, I think you're on to what they're doing here. Yes. Right? They're, they're actually doing great satire, and they're, yes. they're making a brilliant point about Hollywood and entertainment and how what we see now nobody's ever seen. Let's go to Hooray. Great. These are all about awards, sticking with the 2020s. This film, written and directed by Sarah Polly, has been nominated for Best Picture this year. <laughs> Nobody no. knows. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. It has an all-female cast, featuring Oscar winner Frances McDormand. 80 for Brady. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyone else? Uh, can you give us a hint? It's women talking. Be more specific. 
Now that's the title, Women Talking. All right, so then I thought this was great. And think about it, you might be challenged with even a task like this, Sue. Since no one is in the lead, let's just move on to the speed round. Robert, you're still in control. Our era is the 80s. Woo, great. Here's the question. The year 1989 featured movies like The Little Mermaid, When Harry Met Sally, Batman, Dead Poet Society, and Do the Right Thing. Think about that grouping of movies. And you yeah, can do that wow. for most years in the 80s into the 90s. You've seen all, and maybe yes. if you were an adult and you didn't have kids, maybe you didn't see The Little Mermaid, but you certainly heard the songs, right? right. You were familiar with the stars, with everything that the movies were all about, yes. right? Well, okay. Robert, name three movies from the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Three? Okay. Um, Just three. Wow. Top Gun? Okay, that's one. Yeah. Great. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the Hangover? That was 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, not quite, bud. Um, the Night? Man. <laughs> Sounds like you're just saying words. Come on, all you need is one. Can't you just name one more movie? Nope. That's right! Oh, he got it. Uh, no, that's a movie. But I, I thought this is brilliant. Now that wasn't was it the the funniest slap on your knee bit that SNL's ever? No, but no, it but was it's... a very on point targeted bit yes, about yes. how we got all these shows out there that nobody's ever seen. No, you know we got awards that are going crazy, and now the AMC movie theaters want to charge you more to sit in the middle of the theater to pay for a movie that you're probably going to hate anyway that nobody's ever heard of. That's where I have a problem, but we'll get into that. I thought that would make a nice segue here for this discussion on the dynamic-based movie ticket prices. Paul Hall, Dan Buffa, both coming up next. All right, I want to get right into this here. Uh, Different seating price options, AMC theaters. The first is standard sightline. Those are the seats that are the most common in auditoriums available for the traditional cost of a ticket. What what is a movie ticket these days? So it's traditional cost. No, that's just for the first, okay? Uh, Then there's value sightline. Value sightline, the seats in the front row, as well as the select ADA seats in each auditorium. Lower price, but you have to be, here's what it says, value sightline pricing is only available to AMC Stubbs members, including the free tier membership. So in order to get really crappy seats, you have to be a member of the club. Just remember that. The third option is preferred sightline. This is what... I would go for it because ah. I like to sit in the middle or on an aisle in the middle. Those are the seats in the middle of the auditorium. They're priced at a premium to standard sightline seats. AMC Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats in the preferred sightline section at no additional cost. So if you are an A-list member, you can do that as well. Now, my, my position, we're going to test this out with our two movie guys here. Paul Hall from Common Guy Films. Dan Buff is back with us for a little bit this afternoon as well. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm very good. Good, yeah, good very afternoon. Good, uh, you know, the weather's held off, so just another just another cool Tuesday happening, Mr. Reardon. How you doing? I'm doing good, but I'm going to get into this here. Paul, let me start with you. My, my, my you know, knee-jerk yesterday, and I'm going to stick with it, is, and I've been, you know, guys, I've been a big fan of people seeing movies in movie theaters, but this certainly gives me another reason, and I think a lot of people another reason to stay on the couch and watch the movie in my basement. I think it makes a whole lot more sense if they want to do anything, if they raise their price on everybody by a dollar or two to make up their cost, rather than tear prices out and make make people not understand what they're going to see. They did this a couple of years back with preferred movies and non-preferred movies, and the first week, and even this, this last year they did it with the Batman. Why not just one price, and then you have your discount price? You don't even know when your discount prices are anymore, because... They vary from place to place. Yeah, so to your point, uh, and Dan, Paul, Paul's right. So they charge, AMC charged 
buck or two more for the opening weekend of the Batman compared to other movies playing at the same time. So it was like when the Cubs come to town and you're at Bush Stadium, you're paying, you know, that's truly dynamic pricing, right? You're going to pay more because it's a hotter movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's for me, I don't really, I don't have a problem with movie theaters trying to raise prices because they need that because, you know, during the pandemic, the government didn't help them out at all. The one thing that just did not get any help with movie theaters and really, they're really kind of starting to crumble. People don't really know that before the, the pandemic, they were starting to hurt, but this is kind of complicated. I mean, I, I read about it. I wish they would just raise the prices. I have no problem with everything in the world is getting more expensive. So movie theaters can do that too, but it seems like it's a very complicated thing and you got to be a member of a club for a guy who doesn't mind where he sits in a movie theater. I'll sit at the very top. I'll sit like in the first row of the top section I don't really mind the fact that they're charging for that, but the system they're using is kind of a little wacky. So like, like my knee jerk was, oh, I don't mind this. But then when I read about it and all the different details, this is going to be so complicated. It's just people are probably not going to go back to the theater. Okay, but Buffa, you're, you're, tell- you're not going to sit in those first three, four rows that are down below in a movie theater. Yeah, you'll sit up high, but you're not going to sit in the value seating, are you? No, not really. I mean, unless that's all there is. I mean, for me, I'll, I'll sit wherever there's a seat. And I don't want to sit down front because then you're just your eyes hurt by the end of the movie, especially if the movie's bad. It's just a double dose of suck. Paul, do you care where you sit for a movie? Is that so? Because for me, it's important, but that's just the way I'm built. I don't have a big uh, care where I'm going to be in the theater. I, I, I like the first row of that upper level where I can put my feet up more than anything. Uh, in some of the AMC theaters I've been in, quite frankly, Mark, I just pay to not sit in a broken seat in some of them. Oh, that's actually a good point, right? <laughs> uh, the bigger issue here is, and, and this is why I, I, if you're giving people, and this is the issue at hand for me, you're giving people more reasons to say, you know what? You've lost me. I'm, I'm, I can easily rent this movie. It's going to be streaming in a matter of weeks anyway. I'm going to watch it in my basement. I have a big TV. I don't have to worry about people talking in front of me or behind me or someone looking at their cell phone. And I think the movie experience, the magic of the movie experience is going away bit by bit. I will, I will just, we need to keep this around because the one thing about going to the movies, all the distractions are gone. This is, as a person who, I, 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 okay, I, I, I agree. I have way too many pets, so I have five pets and I have a kid. So anytime I try to watch a movie at home, I have to like quarantine myself in the basement, shut the doors. So I want the movies to survive, and I really I don't want them to go the way of the newspaper. And then I feel like they're not heading there just yet. So I'm for some kind of system where okay, let's increase the prices, let's keep movie theaters around. But I think this is kind of again, it's 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 complicated. I don't think people need complicated when they're trying to make their way back to the movies. So yeah, Paul his his point about distractions is, is certainly valid because uh, it's it's frustrating it's very difficult if you're at home even if you try to stay away from the phone not get up or uh, check a message or something like that especially if the movie's not engaging in the movie theater you kind of have to be absorbed by the product that's in front of you. So I I'm a fan I'm still a fan I would recommend people seeing movies in theaters but my point is this is giving you another reason to not do that. 
and, yeah. and that oh, yeah, is true. Is. The, the, for the, you you want to sit down in a theater, a darkened room with friends, have a good communal experience. Unfortunately, there's so many places where we don't have ushers taking the people out that belong being out that are sitting and talking behind you. I, I mean, and it doesn't matter who you are. I had an older couple sit behind me at one movie and go, hey, hey, John, did you see that was a gold stick there? I, I, yeah, I saw it, too. Uh, I'm up here in front of you. If we could get rid of some of those distractions in the theater, I'd pay two or three bucks a, bucks a, a ticket more than any these other things. But I don't think that's going to go away, and that that to me ruins that theatrical experience. It's got to be a communal experience where we're all enjoying, where we're all respecting one another. Whether that's getting your phone, you know, if that phone is going to ring in the theater as much as it is, is at home. Why are you yeah, paying more of that? Get it out of it. Hey, did you guys, I played this before you joined me this afternoon because I wanted to make some points about it, but I would recommend it for both of you. Did you see the bit that they did on SNL? Or were you listening a few minutes ago, uh, Dan or Paul, on the uh, the Hollywood movie quiz with Pedro Pascal? Dan, did you see that? No, I didn't. Watch not. it. But I, 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 I heard Pedro did a good job of hosting. I he did a good job, but Paul, did you see the bit that I'm referring to or not? I have not okay, either. Both of you, I'm going to send it to both of you. All right, I'm going I to text you a bit. It's it's really it, in basically it's it's separate but related. But it makes the point about how we all used to know the nominees, the films, the names of the films, and now you you know you you don't even know what the number one streaming show on Netflix is is the point of the game show. I think you'll like I it, mean, so I'm going to I send mean, it to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think really what people have to do they have to make movie theaters the way that they used to be. We don't need a hundred trailers. We don't need all the service in the theater. I want great sound. I want the movie I'm watching. I, I feel like a movie theater, some company has to revisit what people loved about the movies first because everything they're doing, it's like baseball making Or, or just make better movies like Top Gun. But I have to go to Audio Cut of the Day. Paul Hall, I will talk to you on Friday. Dan Buffett, great to hook up with you this afternoon as well. Stand by. Playback ready. Now, the Audio Cut of the Day. All right, well, i got to sneak something in here. I had this one from yesterday, and I think it just... This, the libs of TikTok is so brilliant at exposing some of these things that people say that are nutty and kooky, and here you go. Here's another one. People use this talking point for cops, too, you know? There are good cops. There are nice cops. But, like, every other day you wake up and, like, there's one that shot somebody in the back or, like, killed somebody in a routine traffic stop or killed a child, and it's like, maybe we don't need to trust cops entirely, or in my case, at all, because fucking ACAB, period. Or, you know, not all men, you know what I mean? Like, not all men are bad. And it's like, yeah, but like the majority of them commit violent crimes or sex crimes. So The majority of men what? commit violent crimes and say, yeah, this is what her take is. It's like maybe a case by case basis. You feel me? Um, and here we are, white people, right? There not all white people are racist. Like some of us have good characteristics. Like, <laughs> yeah, but the majority of y'all like to vote for Trump and Republicans. So it's like maybe... We need to be a little bit hesitant about the white people that we allow into our space. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're I right, do. baby girl. I don't know you, but here's what I have learned about you. You're a hit dog, and oh, 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 you howled, you hollered. So I don't know. Reflect. Social media is such a positive experience. Jeez. And there's your audio cut of the day. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow, three o'clock sharp. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 